Good morning on this 18th day of October, the year 2011. About a week or so ago, actually probably longer than that actually, I believe it goes back to 05 and 06. If you look on the Lord's webpage that he gave regarding the ministry vision, one of the key verses that the Lord was placing upon my heart and I know there's others out there who placed it upon to stay in agreement, but they've yet to consider it further. Um, consider it further. They just like let it be as a passing scripture, as so much of my interest has talked to us. Um, got a couple of scriptures on. Let us sit and uh, sit before the Lord and allow Him to uh, reveal some things to us. First one is Ezekiel in, over in chapter 20, verses 18 through 20. I'm reading out of the New American Standards Version. I said to the children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statues of your fathers, or keep their ordinances, or defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statues, and keep my ordinances, and observe them. Sanctify my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, and you may know that I am the Lord your God. If you read a little bit further, the context in this, basically, the it, yes, it, where God was referring to when the Israelites were first left Egypt and they were walking the wilderness, and we know from studying the scriptures and meditating on the scriptures that that generation that came out of Egypt pretty much most all of them rebelled uh, you had a few like Caleb and Joshua and uh, some other heads of households but for the most part they all rebelled and that's why they were allowed to die in the wilderness uh, they were not able to enter the promised land because they were rebelling against God and I think we all have a form of that you know each of our generation has become so each generation at one point in and our walks have become so complacent, so comfortable in our little religious settings. Uh, and we see how God blesses us when we obey Him, which means when we submit to Him, surrender to Him, when He blesses us financially. It is for the purpose of blessing others, as mu- you know, more so than blessing ourselves. We'll go through the scriptures and twisting them as we think they sound. Or as we want them to sound. To look at it. Oh gee God bless us. Okay. Don't stop there. God blesses us to be a blessing to others. He blessed Abraham because he was a blessing to others. He blessed Israel because they were to be a blessing to others. But when we. That's kind of a side topic there. I went a little bit further. But um, when they begin, when they and we begin to become comfortable in our religion, God again has to raise up some kind of tribulation or some kind of trial or some kind of severe persecution or whatever, or some kind of shaking to get us going again, to get us back to Him, to cry, uh, call upon His name, humble ourselves and say, Oops, we did it again. Like dummies, like fools. It's just 
uh, and then we get back and then we'll go on a little while and then we become on fire for the Lord again follow him do what he commands us to do go to, with him to those that may need healing or those that may need salvation says okay this is what I'm telling you to speak to that person go do it Again, it's our choice whether we do it or not. But if we don't do it, it we're in rebellion against God. So naturally, when we're in that iron fire stage, we're going to go do it. If God says, I need you to leave at home. Here's the buyer for it. I need you to go here. It's time you go over here. They need the gospel again. They need a shaking up. And I want to use you. And again, we have the choice of either obeying or rebelling. In many cases today, we rebel. When God was bringing the Israelites almost to the end of that 40 years, and that generation pretty much had died off, He said to the next generation, I believe that's what this verse, one of these contexts is where He spoke to the next generation. Okay, basically in a nutshell what He's saying says, okay, your folks messed up. Now I'm calling upon you. I am the Lord your God. Will you follow me and obey me? And of course, as we read further, verse 21, which I'm not going to do because it's not part of what I believe the Lord would have us to hear today. But they also rebelled and did the same thing. Instead of obeying. And that's basically how we get... That's how religions... The religions started in this world. They just broke away... Somebody was rebelling against God's God's word, and just decided to start their own denomination, start their own religion, start their own church. There's one church, people of God. It's not a white church. It's not a black church. It's the Church of Jesus Christ. When we are so ignorant, so stupid, so self-centered to actually think that God sets up a particular cultural church, we have gotten so far away from God that we have forgotten what He teaches in the Scriptures. And that's where the Israelites are at this point. I got another Scripture. Hang on a minute, let me go and get it. Another Scripture the Lord kind of laid upon my heart related to almost the same thing. Related to our you know, study that we're hearing him today. During one of the times over in Luke I am in chapter 9. Um, they were going from one location to another to the next location. And somebody came to him in verse 57. As they were going. We're actually going to be reading through 57 through 62. In Luke chapter 9. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Sometimes we say that without actually being prompted by the Holy Spirit and we don't realize what we're saying and what God asks us. And that is what he wants us to do. But sometimes we don't think of the ramifications for that. We just say that in vain. But that's kind of a side note there. I apologize for that. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. 
But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Put a little side note or put a little note of the word that just kind of popped up. There was proclaim everywhere. We look all over scriptures. Very few of the uh, disciples, apostles, prophets stayed in one place. Many of the prophets obviously were sent just to at the time. Jerusalem or Judea rather. Um, and to, to those two tribes. And then to the scattered tribes which ended up in Samaria. The ten tribes of Israel. After they after they were split up because of uh, disobedience, we just kind of ponder that word everywhere, and then look at it regarding our fifty, just our fifty states alone. We don't move around like we're supposed to. We don't go to different locations like we're supposed to. We love going overseas. I think it's not necessarily to proclaim the gospel; it's to see other countries at God's. Oh, don't know where that came from. At God's expense. It's not necessary to live, proclaim it and live it out there. Not exactly sure where that came from. That just hit my mind for a second. Okay, let's go back on to uh, verse 61. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one after putting... He didn't say some. He said no one. After putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a dangerous line right there. To actually, if the Lord's telling us, those those of us that were going strong, going forward, all of a sudden we look back. And I don't mean to look back where where you see God in our hand. You know, where God reminds us of what He's done in the past for us. So that we may continue to glory Him and praise Him. I mean, it's where the enemy goes back and shows that, hey, you know your life was better back then. Or, you know, you know that you, you, you really should pursue that love that you had back then. Oh, I think that one was for me. Maybe for somebody else too, but I think it's a temptation that I've been thinking about struggling with lately. And with no true accountability, brother, anymore, since our brother Willie went home to be with the Lord, we don't even know what accountability brothers are. We just think if you live nearby, there is nothing like that in Scripture at all, period. Nothing. Repeat, nothing. So why are we adding to Scripture, forgetting the Lord's own warning at the end of Revelation? Where it says, add nothing to it or take nothing from it. Why are we adding to it or taking from it? Okay, there's one more scripture. And then we'll kind of go over what the Lord showed upon my heart. And the final main scripture that's part of this uh, little lesson there is over in First Peter chapter 2. It's kind of broken off into a couple of them, verses 9 and 10 and 11 and 12. And we'll go ahead and read them both now. Again, this is in the New American Standard. Uh, but you are, you meaning, he's talking about us actually. 
a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. A couple of uh, key notes that the Lord kind of wants us to remember here. It's pretty much clear in each of these in Ezekiel in the Luke 9 and then the first Peter actually amazing how God did this and how he continues to do it he calls us to be different different than the world different than our prior generations generations religious ways and traditional heirs and there are a ton of traditional heirs and different than what have been taught about a culture or a denomination. That probably goes along with the other one out there. Probably should have combined the two. I was probably supposed to. So forgive me for that. You look at. You know when you actually go online. And look for the different religions and denominations. And how they started. It was always pretty much one man that uh claims they got a revelation to start a whole new denomination, a whole new religion. And it says, Jesus never came, period, to start a religion. So, we should ask ourselves, how can we be so deceived and so foolish? You begin to wonder, was that person truly saved? More likely not. Because then what we're doing, we're blending into... And if we look at the way religions do, religions pretty much can go in agreement, come even closer to agreement in with a worldly government. You Because know, then they get to the point and say, oh, well, okay, you're really not a threat to you know, the government, so we'll go ahead and let you stand. That's pretty much what the American religions have become. We're not a threat to, we're not a threat to public education government education we're not a threat to uh, that's what the Chinese do Chinese you know they set up their own little three point religion I forgot what it's called I think it's I know it's got like three points to it out there but I can't remember now without you know it's it's readily available just look it up yourself and stop being lazy um, they set up their own little religions and we basically have a set up and it was using men that Men and women that grew up in the church. Uh, now we got an even scarier one, and God delivered, had to chasten his children for several of these. There's a, I believe it's a uh, Hebrew term, 
uh, Asherith, I believe it is. Basically, it's a female deity. Uh, and another lesson, I believe that's on the way. God is working that right now to me. And it's basically a female deity. Puts the uh, Catholicism is the strongest one that we all know that has a female at the head of it. Lead the four square church doctrine does also, but I'm not sure of that one. I only basically heard that one. In uh, any churches that have created outside of God's will, because it is not in His Word, to create a single parent ministry, we're not saying to ignore them because they need the love of God, but there is no such thing. There is nothing in scripture saying God ordained single parents. Widowed are those who we are supposed to protect. And of course orphans of course is the main two. Not single parents. Basically more likely those are some that have just walked out of a marriage outside of God's boundaries. And any that may be listening to this don't even think are thrown at me that false misuse of the word judge lest you be judged you do that you better fall on your knees right now because you are misusing that I'm quoting scripture better be very careful because right now I am shaking right now my spirit out there fearing to making sure that I want my ears to only hear the Lord through the Holy Spirit speaking. I'm not going to go into no opinions of Scripture, no thoughts. I'm quoting what I have been showing thus far, and you all have been showing thus far. So, if we're called to be different, why do we look more like the world? Why do we. Why have we allowed, if we're called to be different, let me hit a couple of questions for all of us to ponder, including myself. If we're called to be different, why have we created a false mentality or a false belief that God will only help those that help themselves, which means we'll only help those that actively out there have a job. If God doesn't open a job door, for a season or for a period of time, then there may be a reason that we've so drifted from Him. This time, that time, this time of unemployment has brought me closer to the Lord and more able to hear His voice than most all of you who are still in the work, who are living to work instead of living for God. The prayer, look at the prayers and the prayer requests that we put forth. It's always towards healing or physicalness. God was not just into those physical healings, but the whole person. God is, when we look at His actual healings, He just doesn't heal just that one little illness. He heals the root of it. So it doesn't keep reoccurring. Ouch, that's a heat one. We look at our debt promised nation. There is none so far. There is no politician 
that's publicly gone out there saying we need to bring this problem of debt because they don't want to get rid of the debt. The government needs the debt and no matter if a bank's a private bank or not, they've come to a place where they no longer you know, have a good mixture of the savings and the debts which is where it's supposed to be in loaning it out to people and saving at a good rate like it was even back in the 80's that wasn't that long ago we have a root problem that we need to get rid of it we are so accustomed to debt we are, think it's actually approved by God that we can buy stuff on credit that is nowhere in scripture that's a bondage when God said, God doesn't have to say a thousand times in His Word, um, in order for it to be real, you know, assume no debt. God can say something just once. And is He God or is He not to you? Does He have to say it a thousand times for us to say, well, He must be serious? Can He not just say stuff just one time? And He not be serious? Does He have to re- always repeat Himself? No, we're the ones that have to repeat ourselves. That's not being different. When we think, when we got a mentality that came from the devil, basically, um, and that we feel that, oh no, if they got a higher price, then they must be doing, you know, they must be of God, and they must be best. That's a lie. That's called greediness. That's not being different. For business owners out there who price, who sets their pricing strategies, if we're looking at what the world charges and says, okay, God, how are you going to be glorified on that? Because it looks just like the world. Do we just, that mean just price everything? You know, let's use the obvious one, automobile dealerships. We know there's a heavy, us that have the wisdom of God and not the wisdom, not the stupidity of man. Okay, God does kind of call it the wisdom of man, the wisdom of God. But if you if you further study that wisdom of man, it it basically is revealed that it's the ignorance of man actually, because it's that there is no such thing as a wisdom of man. It's actually the ignorance of man turning away from God. If we actually ponder that for a second, out there, uh, God can get more glory and says, no, price it with a fair market value. And show how much that I will bless it because I will be honored by it. When we are seeking to make all of our profit under under one sale, no matter what kind of a business it is, then we're not trusting God. We're trusting in the world's ways. We're trusting in our own abilities. When we look at the tax structure, the tax structure has always been set up where those that are wealthy... physically wealthy have always paid the last taxes because they can afford the most tax deductions ponder that one for a second the ones that are poor always end up writing the tax checks more so and there's more of us because we can't afford those humongous tax deductions out there so that we can you know corporations pay almost no taxes it always, when I was in school, was taught that they paid the corporate tax form as the highest tax forms. That was a lie, false teaching, as I was soon to learn. 
because corporations can expense everything off and come all the way down to a bottom line where it's almost you know it's almost zip and very little taxation. Okay, that's kind of way off topic out there, but that's. You know, we have grown because we like that concept because we can get richer. We want the president in there that will support a quiet religion where we'll just go to church, jump up and down, sing, make some sounds that we think may be the Holy Spirit. Most times, it ain't. If God baptizes somebody in the Holy Spirit, that's a prayer language. That's to strengthen us. Given us the power so we can go out, study what the gift of tongues, you know, what the baptism of the tongues is. All, you know, all of that pretty much was revealed in the book of Acts. And it's given us power to go out into the world to proclaim the gospel. It's not just so we can say, oh, okay, we're baptizing tongues. Okay. What does that mean? Get the tongues. If God's in the middle of, you know, proclaiming his word, word of wisdom, or teaching, or whatever, where is it in scripture where God's going to interrupt his word from being taught to speak and to have somebody all of a sudden jump up in the middle of a conversation? The only one that wants to stop the word from uh, being proclaimed is the devil. And he'll cause one of his children to jump up in the middle of that and make a sound. And that would attract the whole church away from whatever teaching was. Now, if that was false teaching going on, God will probably bring that up. When people walk into our church out there and we just see us jumping all around and they know us from the outside out there and they say that the outside that we're cussing people, we're cutting people off, we're divided, we go into, you know, we make up for those that are, uh, I've met uh, several brothers and sisters that set up their church in the inner city but they live in the suburbs okay what is that one what is that saying that's just saying oh well we'll come to you we'll love on you you come over and join us hear the word of God but when we're done you're going to go back to your inner city home your hood and then you're going to go and, and we're going to go back to uh, our big painted sealed houses on the outside where we're more safe secured we have our alarms thinking that what makes us safe our safety people is supposed to come from the word of God it's supposed to come from God himself he is our strong tower we run into our safety is not in a physical building our safety is not in a you know a $50 to $100 a month alarm system our safety is not by having a padlock on our doors our safety is not by having an alarm system. Our safety is not by staying out of those darkness. If we're staying in light places, then how is the Word of God being shown? The Word of God is the light. We are not the We have confused it. We only like grasping onto that one scripture, taking it out of context and saying we are the light of the world. We're not the light of the world anymore. Because we are dead to ourselves, supposed to be. We are crucified in Christ. We are in Him. We are seated with Him in places. We go back to John chapter 1. And then we study every other place. It always says, Christ is the light of the world. And He's supposed to be lighting through us when He comes on the inside. That's different. We have so covered up His light under a bushel that it's not even shown through now. And yes, I said we. Because there are times. We have to go into the dark places. God doesn't just call us to stay in our one little church circle of friends. 
little friends of fellowships as we grow in the Lord he's going to take us out we grow in him he's going to take us outward into the darker places there ain't none that wants to go into the big cities like New York um, Hell's Kitchen area or whatever or into Boston or into L.A. Or right in the Hollywood that will stand up and says, No, I won't do those little trashy B-movies. Because that does not glorify my Lord. I mean, we need to present to them to say, That may make only temporary money. But let's try a family oriented. Because most of the families now are gay marriages, single parents out there where they like that sort of trashy B-like movies. But there's nobody that I've seen so far that's standing up saying, no, enough of those movies. And I don't mean like those ghetto movies out there back in the uh, 50s out there, housing area out there. You know, I can't, you know, I was bored with those. But of course I was bored out there because I wasn't seeing any other option. I wasn't seeing an individual like that laid out. I wasn't encouraged to go out and get pregnant and uh, to get somebody pregnant. And then to just, you know, give them a check every month out there and then not even concern and not even consider marriage. You do that in a lot of countries out there. What we do in this country, we'll be shot or put to death somehow. I mean that stuff you know, that stuff still offends God. We don't think it offends God anymore. We just say, Oh no, they can still love that person out there. You know, we got children being raised that don't even know what a biblical marriage looks like with a father and mother over the house. They're going to step out of college. They're going to think it's okay that if they stumble and make a mistake and get pregnant for the girls or get someone pregnant for the guys that they don't necessarily have to get married. That was just a one night thing. A slip, an accident. They feel that they can come to God and we can. They can and ask forgiveness but he's going to want to walk us out he's going to want to to make amends for it catch ones for it we're creating a family of single parents and then now we have so forgotten when Jesus said in the second man we should love one another so the world can tell that you are my disciples we're not even doing that we take it we have Believed the devil's lie that we had to take care of our earthly families first before the family of God. If we all properly did it in God's time and we were saved and then we got married, well, for those of y'all that were married, you got to remember, brothers and sisters, and this is not the first time God brought, is bringing this up. Those wives, those hus- your husbands, your wives, they are first and foremost, not second. Now, first and foremost, your brother or sister, depending on who is hearing this. Then they are, secondly, they are first and foremost part of the body of Christ. As brothers and sisters, before the earthly Christ. The earthly Christ is only until death do us part or until the Lord comes and takes us away. You two will not be married in the kingdom of heaven when that time comes that you will be held accountable 
as to how you love one another and treat one you know whatnot. We know that because that's in scripture. That's just that's just an additional burden of the Lord, an additional commandment that has been given to y'all. But we need to remember we have forgotten the family of God. We have put them aside. There are needs within the family of God. We look, well, I've got to take care of my family needs. That's what that not that's one of the things God is trying to tell us in Luke chapter nine. In those verses there. We want to so much be with our early bed. I mean, my parents are in my 70s. I want to be near enough to them so if something happens to be able to serve them because of something they can't do anymore. But then again, I'm not trusting God with their lives that He'll provide. I don't know if souls, that's what, but I am still known. I am being drawn to now take the gospel back to the... Back to Boston, back to New England. We look back, for those of you that want an awesome movie, it's a secular movie. It's got two things. It's got things that the devil is still to this day even deceiving many in the church body. But it's also got an element for me. Um, look at the movie Glory regarding the Civil War and regarding where they came from. Look at that region which... A lot of you know, southern brothers and sisters are still jealous of. The south has always been jealous of the north. I mean, I could be the funny end of it right now, but God does not, is not permitting me to go down that path. We'll do the funny one another end of it. Uh, but there's still a jealousy. They want a genuine revival to only come to their region first. They don't want it to come to the whole nation. There are still many that are jealous. They are still jealous that God chose the New England states first and foremost to begin the work in America. And to move around. We can deny it. We can try to come up with numbers. But you better come up with complete numbers. And it's going to easy clear. The first true revival was through Brother Jonathan Edwards. And that revival was rapidly going throughout the nations at the New Orleans at the time the nations that were in place and the nations probably even the nations that were being formed more likely knowing God when God does a revival it's going to affect it will affect an entire nation a region or an area it will really affect just one church actually what is one church that's one denomination Okay, let's kind of go on and look at some more points. Kind of getting back in that one out there. It's kind of related, but kind of got off a little topic. I apologize for that. Um, when we look at this break, this difference that we're supposed to have, if you do a Google search of some of Jonathan Edwards' sermons, or for some of you that may have a book, there was one sermon that uh, God told him to write on the book of Ruth. Um... And this is a paraphrase quote, it's not the whole thing, and my computer is not up where it's saved. I wasn't, I wasn't as readily able to print. And sometimes this separation, this proves when people actually become born again, and they leave those that are, they depart from those that they used to run with, um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna read it the way I worded it here out there, but I would suggest each of us then go ahead and find that sermon and then look for the line out there when he talks about the the differences, the division, and sometimes this prove proves a final parting or separation between them, the them being you know people they used to run with, and these that they've been formally in communion with we begin to realize that we have nothing in common with them anymore. If we look back at those that we used to run with or used to hang with, um, that when Jesus began His transforming work, His transformational work within us, um, starting at the point of being born again, we will... We will when it's truly God who did the... who truly made us born again, we'll go back and look and say, we have nothing in common with them. Why are we still hanging with them? Now, we may still hang to a point, many of them may be in our families. So, we're not going to cast our families aside out there again. You know, yeah, the family of God is going to be first. Uh, but, you know, if this family still living in our home, like a brother or sister or even a parent. Uh, you know, naturally, we're not going to leave the home. You know, we're not going to run away from home or anything like that. Um, but we're going to have to go on to be an influence. But we don't have much in common with them anymore. Uh, because they have not yet come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And more likely it will be. Many times in the scriptures, in the gospels particularly. Uh, well, guess where they're at. Jesus said they wanted to follow him. He says, no, go back to your home or go back to your people and show, show and tell all that I've done for you. I thought God will have us do that so they can see the difference. But if we're going to go back in and go right back into our old ways, more likely we were not truly born again. Uh, again, can't look at the full heart, but it stands to purpose that... Uh, that's the way it, pretty much that's the way it ends up, because if you just go right back in your own ways, then basically you just, you just had a seed planted or seed watered in there that, uh, is in much need of, uh, cultivation and germination. Um, and eventually and prayfully it will still, it will come to the born again. But when there's an actual cut, an actual break, when we get that actual born again experience, we go back to our families, we can't hang with them as much. You know, they may still be committing a lot of the sins that we did. They still may be a little laziness, a little sluggard. They may be still living and doing the world's things. I'm just using many examples. You know, for, uh, those of y'all that may listen that were once in gangs, when God gets a hold of us and born, genuinely causes us to be born again, uh, we're not going to be able to stay long in that gang. If at all, we still want to influence them, of course, to get, bring them to that knowledge, but that's a dangerous thing, knowing that God has blessed me, and it is truly a blessing, with knowing many former gang members or many of those that at least hung with those that were in the gang. But I've also come to learn uh, that's a dangerous thing when you step out because we know there's only one way out of a gang and that's by being jumped out pretty much similar or worse than when you first get jumped in. But you got to be willing. Do I love God now enough? 
was, and when we're truly born again, we are going to love God more than that, more than that sacrifice. We will agree to be beaten down to get out of it. Praising Jesus the whole time. You know, that may cause others in that gang to say, wow, he's serious about that. They may leave you alone for a while after that. They may just ignore you and they may call you a pansy. They may call you different names. They may, who cares? I mean, they call Jesus more names than that. So why are we to care if they call us names? I mean, they call our Lord and our Savior many names. You know, many names. Some of them maybe even couldn't be printed in the Bible. They were so bad. I don't know. Probably not. They were probably all listed in the Bible. Uh, so who are we to have people hate us because we have come to know the truth? And the truth is Jesus. It's not the truth is not just the Bible. The Bible is about Him. It's about His ways, what He does, what He is doing, and what He is going to do in the future. Uh, again, we have to look at that difference. You know, we have to look: Are we still hanging with those that we have nothing in common with? I mean, beyond. Being some kind of a witness. And those of you may come up and say. Well we have to be a witness out there. Yeah. We have to be a witness. But not part of them. Not run as they run anymore. We don't run like that anymore. We don't hang like that. We don't roll like that anymore. We do not run as they do. If they're going to go out and cuss. If they're going to go out and steal. If they're going to go out and just spend all day long. And all night long playing video games. And just hanging out, picking up chicks for you guys, or picking up guys um, for you ladies. Um, we're not gonna wind up if we're truly born again. We're not gonna want to do that stuff anymore. We're not gonna. We don't want to go. We want to go hang with Jesus and His people and grow together. If they're truly His people, and not those, not those that still need salvation himself that are sitting in the church. Something that God had me write. If we look at our generations, uh, our ancestry, I mean, think back. I mean, many of us could easily say, and we're going to defend our family members, so I'm not trying to bring up that kind of a division as far as the family, you know, by all means, because, yeah, we still have to honor our mothers and fathers and our ancestors, and our elders before us. but I think the point is they have ancestral, ancestral traditions that, oh, well, we always go to church on Easter. We always go to church on Christmas. Oh, well, we always go to Mass, you know, on Sunday out there. And then we can do whatever we want after that. That ain't scripture either. Uh, or, you know, we always pray at this part. We always, you know, get down on our knees and do a bedtime prayer out there. We always, um uh, you know, well, we have to get up in the morning and read our Bible, you know, after we take a shower out there and, Maybe before we have breakfast or whatever, or before we go off to school or go off to work or whatever. Oh, we have to, when we come home, I'll tell you, we have to kiss our wife and have dinner with our wife and do stuff around the home. I'll tell you, if we're married out there, uh, before dinner out there, and then after dinner out there, watch a little TV and fellowship, you know, help kids with homework, I'll tell you. You know, we have to do the same, they have to do traditions. I said myself, we'll have some praise and God when you first come in the door. And if you're blessed to work outside the home, um, or if you're in ministry, uh, ravaged by taking your wife. You know, I, I see on occasions out there where, well, I meet you at the church out there, you know, 
What's wrong with driving together? Fellowshipping together. Laughing together. Um, what's the term fellowship too? Well, wait a minute. You know, there's a single at the church out there. You know, I know he happens to be alone this week because he doesn't have family around. Or she is alone this week. Why don't we invite him over to our house out there and have dinner with us for a holiday? Or whatever, something like that. I mean, or, or something. Why do we always have to do the same thing? I say, oh, well, that's family time. We all had to get together. What? Shit, what's that? That's uh, all. You know, right away, I know, i just coming up. I don't have, I didn't have a lot of ideas when it was written down out there, but we know our ancestral traditions, what was handed down from generation to generation. Um, then there's a major generational tradition that's still today still being followed. Keep separate from that one. You know, oh, that church is different than ours. Oh, you know, those people are different. Oh, those people are all evil to us. We don't want to hang with them. You know, there, there's none right in that group. Or there's none right over here. It's just like, we all need Jesus. And we all need more of Jesus for us that are born again. We can't get enough of Jesus. Or we should be at the place where we can't get enough of Him. We should be able to turn out the TV, you know, and be with Jesus. Or if we're watching TV... We should be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that it should show us, you know, as that was written in that movie, you know, this is the way it should be. Or this one, you know, there are many movies out there where God can show us examples like what not to do or what even to do. So we need to get back to that. Anything when we give it to God can be used for glory. I mean, anything but sin, of course, obviously. That brings God no glory, but that brings God angry. Um, at these verses, I believe another thing God is calling us to do is we are so good at sitting on fences, sitting on dividing lines, saying, well, okay, well, I'm at a certain age now. Do I truly want to follow Jesus or do I still need to make a little money in the world out there? Or do I, you know, if I actually make a little money in the world, am I actually going to give it, you know, share it with others? Or am I just going to hoard it? You know, do I want to maintain this million dollar lifestyle when I retire? What if you die before you retire? Would be, probably be one of God's questions to us. What if, what if your last day on this earth is tomorrow? Those retirement funds, what are they for? What if Jesus comes next year and you're only in your 50s, not close to retirement? Could those funds have be better used to help somebody else or even to pay off a debt? If you're trusting God, if we're trusting God now, when I go trust him, when we get to that time, if he is, if he tears, and he may or may not, I don't know, you don't know, none of us know. He'll camp things he knows. We gotta pray for his salvation, uh, before it's too late. But we are very good at sitting, look at the churches that even have cushioned, uh, cushioned church pews. The people in Israel, when they were going through the wilderness, wilderness I mean, they had the tent. The tabernacle. That was a temporary tent. I guarantee there was no cushion seats in there. There may not have been seats at all. I'm not sure. I don't remember reading that in scripture. Uh, or even the temple. Your current temples were. Have them. But were they extra seats? 
They probably were, because Jesus, yeah, that's right, they must have. Thank you, Lord. Because Jesus even said after he went up and spoke the word, he sat back down and then began to talk. So, yeah, okay, there were seats. But were they comfortable? Or were they just wooden benches? Or were they metal? Well, I'm sure they weren't metal chairs back then. I don't think. Probably not. None of us were there. Even the cushion seats, I get to, we come in, we get our comfortable spot, we throw our 15 Bibles along the seat so we can save for our family and our friend, our personal friends, our personal circle of friends. You, what if one of those people come in here that's, uh, you got one that comes in in gay apparel and another comes in in rags? We're gonna make the rags stand in. We would. I've seen this in most churches. We see somebody that's different from us walk in that church. We don't necessarily welcome them. We may shake their hands and welcome them to a church, but where they sit, they'll probably make sure they sit in the back of the church. Well, I like it in the back of the church myself. I don't like the front of the church. Uh, but that's my personal gig. Somebody invites me and says, I'd rather sit in the back of the church. Uh, but that's the personal one. They may have a personal gig, but they may invite you to sit down, you know, in church. But we do it ourselves. We do that same thing that Jesus says not to do. As far as those in gay apparel, in rich apparel, nicely suit, we'll seat them where everybody can see them, and we find the darkest corner of church to put the, uh, you know, put the poor, put the oppressed, put those that are different than us. We put them in the darkest corner. Of our sanctuary. We do that today. We still do that today. That's like a dividing line. But we need to make up our minds. If we're truly going to follow Jesus or not. First Kings 18.21. I'm not going to read it out there. Because that's a bit to yourself. Basically that's where. God prompted Elijah. To go to people. God says. You're divided. Between. Two gods. Uh, either the gods of Baal. Or me. I says, you need to choose one day who you're going to serve. And I think they served real God for a little while after he sent that fire and burnt up the uh, um, the altar. And their God couldn't do nothing except get them to uh, get them tired out. Isaiah 53, we have the only God that came to earth, put on flesh, came to earth in the form of a son. And took our stripes, took our beatings that none of us to this day, you know, some of us may have been in fights, some of us may have been beat down a little bit, nothing, none of those beat downs were ever to the extent to what Jesus took for me and for you. Oh, happy praise you, Lord, praise you, worship you. Thank you, Lord, again for doing that. Oh, got a little happy there. Uh, we got the only God that's done that. Buddha has never done that in whatever. He's just a dumb, fat little statue made by man. Kind of ugly looking thing actually out there. There are so many Buddha statues, beauty rings that I see coming through Amazon. Checking it every single day that are for sale online. We could type, there are Korans coming in. There is everything. Okay, yeah, there are Bibles coming in. They just get put on one of the shelves just like Buddha and everybody else does. Wouldn't it be funny out there? Wouldn't it be awesome if it gets put near one of those Buddha things and all of a sudden Buddha falls off and falls down? Remember that when uh, I believe the Palestinians uh, or no Philistines took control of the Ark of God and set it by their God? Their God kept falling before. Wouldn't it be funny out there if uh, over on Amazon shelves 
all these Buddhists, all these Korans fall off the shelves out there and the ones that stay on the shelves, I mean, that would be to fall off a shelf on Amazon, it's got to go into a different tote and it's got to be researched as to where it goes, even though it may be obvious where it came out of, uh, which takes a little time before it can be sold again out there. Um, as it's not found, I mean, I mean that would be, so, I mean, th that would be funny, comical if you look at it. You go into bookstores and you see Christianity here, and then you see Buddhism right next door to it. I mean, wouldn't it be funny if all of a sudden those Buddhism books and Hindu books all fall off the shelves, and those Catholicism books all fall off the shelf after your invention? Then they themselves are bound before Jesus. I mean, that would be. That would be so funny out there. You think that will wake some Americans up? They would say, "Okay, we got a, we got a problem here." <laughs> and when they keep putting it back on, they come in the next day and it's off again. I don't know. If that's a prayer request, not probably not. I don't know if Jesus would still work stuff like that again. Who knows? Um, but again, we just we have the only God. So why should we not be different? Why should we not be set apart? If God Himself says we had to be holy, as He is holy. Then why don't we want to be like the world? Why do we still want to run like that? I think that's rather... That's about all I believe that the Lord is bringing to my mind on this one. So let's just go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you that you took our beatings. That by your stripes we are healed. Thank you, Abba Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did for us and what you continue to do for us. Thank you for your transforming work that you are pruning out of us all that is of the world. All those thoughts that are in enmity with you. All those dividing thoughts that still keep us from you, Father God. Father God, I ask for these brothers and sisters, Father God, and I ask for myself, Father God, that you will help us live that separate lifestyle that you told us that we are Help us to live holy as you are holy. Help us to be your candlesticks out there in the world, Father. Help us to be your chosen vassals, Father God, out there in the world. Help us to be different out in the world, Father God, so people can see that we are different. Help us to get back to loving one another, Father God, uh, to fellowship, the true fellowship one another. Father God, we ask this in your name. I ask for strength and wisdom. Um, your strength, your wisdom. There is no come. We're not supposed to go to man's counsel unless we're going to sue somebody. We're supposed to go to you for counsel. We're supposed to get godly counsel, which only comes from your word for praying and worship. It's we're never supposed to have human counsel on anything like that, Father. We're always supposed to be. You know, all we need is your counsel for every area of our lives. Help us to live according to your word. Help us to grow in our knowledge of you. When we pick up our scriptures, help us to see you. Show us something new each and every day about yourself. A new character trait that we have not known. I mean, we're going to have an eternity to still learn about you. We're going to get there. We'll know everything as your word says. But it's going to, to grasp it. I mean, it's going to take, it will take an eternity just to truly know you and to grow in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Love you all.